Hey everybody, welcome back to Taskmaster is Wonderful. I'm Eric and today I am talking about Taskmaster New Zealand Season 4 Episode 2. I'm a therapist, not a greengrocer. Uh, this week's title comes from Di Henwood. Um, and as always, this series stars Taskmaster Jeremy Wells, his assistant Paul Williams, and the contestants Bubba, Di Henwood, Karen O'Leary, Mel Bracewell, and Ray O'Leary. So I forgot that I was going to do a quick profile on one of the contestants at the start of each episode starting in this episode. But there are five of them, and there are ten episodes, so there's still plenty of time. I'll start that for episode three. All right, let's get into it. Um, before the prize task, Paul does a bit about uh, making straws for turtles. They're shorter and stronger, and he plans to drop 10,000 of them into the Pacific Ocean. The prize task this episode is the most unbelievable thing. I would have brought some kind of remnant of a Bigfoot, possibly a lock of hair, um, or maybe a, a plaster cast of a footprint. I'm not sure how well I would have done against what the contestants brought in, but let's go through them. First, we see Ray. He has a Ray O'Leary can do a backflip certificate. Um, he is asked to demonstrate it, takes off his shoes, runs backstage, and then he runs back out, does a backflip, and then runs backstage again, and then comes, comes back and takes a seat. This is the second episode in a row where Ray has removed his shoes. Luckily, that was all he removed this time. But um, the, the back flipper was clearly not Ray, but it was clearly very funny. Next, Dai presented his VHS machine. That's not what they're called. As, as VCR, video cassette recorder, uh, he uses it to record and watch TV. Uh, Karen brought in a big cardboard cutout of the two men that she would have turned straight for, Jeremy Wells and John Campbell. Mel brought in a Ripley's Believe It or Not book, and she added an entry about Ray O'Leary having a girlfriend. And then finally, Bubba got tattoos of her castmates four faces down her right forearm incredible mel was absolutely shocked and as she should have been i i thought the others did not react strongly enough because that was incredible my scores would have been Bubba, five points, Karen, four points, Dai, three points, Mel, two points, and Ray, one point. I I was really underestimating how much Jeremy would was going to like the backflip certificate. Um, he gave Bubba five points, Ray four points, Mel three points, Karen two points, and Dai one point because... It's just a VCR. Fair enough. I should have I should have ranked him a lot a lot lower. And I I could absolutely believe that he he uses that. So I, I was using the wrong criteria, really. 
Okay, the first film task of the episode is in the lab where there is a toaster, a bunch of bread, and craft supplies like a glue gun, some popsicle sticks, maybe some other stuff. It is a team task. Bubba, Di, and Karen are on one team. Mel and Ray are on the other. The task is make the most impressive windmill. You have until there isn't a piece of bread pushed down in the toaster. You cannot change the toaster setting or retoast an already toasted bit of bread. The same person cannot operate the toaster for two pushes in a row. Lots of stuff to consider. Lots of things that can go wrong. It is absolutely amazing that the team of three does what they do. Their windmill is great. Karen has a plan. She has a pattern. What to duplicate for all of the the blades of the windmill. It's awesome. Um, Dai is all about the timing of the toasts. He does a couple of test toasts at the start to figure out how long those settings are because they can't change them. Tom Scott made a video about this on YouTube or maybe a couple videos um, that I watched fairly recently that uh, examined what the toaster's settings meant. Do the numbers mean minutes or something else? And it's different from toaster to toaster was basically what it came down to. So Dai had the right idea to, to figure out what exactly is the time of those settings that they cannot change and then go from there. Another really smart thing that they did was cut the pieces of toast in half so that they had twice as many to do because um, you you could you had two slots but you didn't have to fill both slots and you didn't have to fill one of the slots at all and the the, the other one didn't have to be a full piece of of bread really really smart so they had plenty of time die in charge of the time He's swapping everybody in. All right, you need to go now. Then now I can go for the next one. Okay, now one of you needs to go. All of that, it worked to perfection. Bubba goes out and finds some extra stuff to attach all of their windmill blades to. And she also finds an air horn, which nobody was expecting. The The looks on Di and Karen's faces and Paul's, they, they're just... <laughs> I would have been mad, and they seem they're pretty mad. And then Karen does it back when Bubba's not expecting it, but it hurts Karen's ears too. Uh, so good, so good. Um, also, during this task, I realized that the needle on uh, the fun meter that's on the, the button that is on... I'm using way too many words to describe where this button is and what this button is on Karen's shirt... It, uh, the needle moves for the fun meter. That uh, So now I'm really interested to, to kind of notice that. I did not make note of that. As much as I was interested in it, I proceeded to not make any note of it at all. But I did see that it was in a different position than when I noticed it last episode. And so I determined, oh, it works. And maybe she sets it deliber deliberately, which would be really cool. Anyway, the team of three did awesome. The team of two did not. 
Mel immediately leaves the room to go find more supplies because there wasn't enough. There, there was obviously plenty of supplies to do a great job right there. But she comes back with her arms full of stuff. But by that point, Ray had already put down the second piece of toast like really early. And so he couldn't do the next one. And there's just not the communication there to convey, oh, you, you need to do this like right now and take care of that second, put in the next piece of toast. And so the, the, the second piece of toast pops up and Paul, you know, takes all of it away. He says, nope, it's done. Your, your time is out. But luckily... Ray did glue two popsicle sticks together in a cross. Kind of looks like a wooden windmill, part of a windmill. So they're not completely out of the picture. They get one single point each, whereas the team of three gets the full five points. Well, well deserved. They like completely nailed that whole thing. Although I think if they would have done just as well if it was just Di and Karen, um, Bubba provided atmosphere, I think. But I think that's my favorite thing about this series at all. Bubba, she's amazing. She's so, so funny. So film task number two, um, it's in the study. It has mood lighting. Um, Karen has a jar of gherkins and she offers some to Paul. Um, and the task is blow out the candle in the most bold and beautiful way you cannot use your lungs the most bold and beautiful blowout wins you have 15 minutes or until the candle is blown out your time started when you entered the room jeremy calls out karen for bribing paul but she claims no i was just being a good friend that's why i kissed him last time do you want to see that again she asks the audience they all cheer and she goes and kisses Paul right there in the studio. And Ray rightly points out, well, you ask everybody if they want to see it except for Paul. So first we see Karen create a feather and balloon outfit uh, uh, using a bunch of duct tape. Um, she then does a contemporary balloon dance accompanied by Paul on the vocal cords. Um, she ends up laying down on the floor, which pops a couple of balloons. That freaks out Paul a bit. There's a lot of Paul getting frightened in this episode. And if the pattern of this episode continues, he will be attacked or kissed at least once every single episode. And I'm worried. I'm worried for him. That uh, seems like it'll be, it'll be a bit much. Uh, she ends her routine by biting the balloon that she was carrying in her mouth um, right next to the candle. And so when it pops, it blows it out. That worked really, really well. Then we see Mel. Uh, she's dressed as a red feathered soft belly tiramisu bird. Um, it's just an outfit made out of a bunch of red paper and tape and also some like decorative plant things. They look like, um, or the, or those things called the, they're like shoot type. I don't, I don't know what they're called. They, they're, they're, they're stuff. They're, they're things that you, you usually see like stuck into like a really tall vase full of rocks. 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the appearance of this tiramisu <laughs> is narrated by Paul. Uh, he describes that it's, it's beautiful. And she tries to flap with her red wings and it doesn't blow out the candle. And so she keeps flapping, keeps on flapping very, very hard. Um, and finally it goes out. And then she exclaims, climate change, climate change is happening. She collapses onto the floor. The poor red feather soft belly tiramisu bird has died because of climate change. Following this is when I realize I really like Jeremy. He asked the perfect question. He asks, how many flaps did you think it was going to take? It was exactly what I was thinking during that part. And he put it so well. I loved it. Next we see Dai, who sits across the table from Paul. In the middle is the candle. And above it is suspended some type of vegetable. He says it's an Ar Argentinian kumquat. It's not that. I thought it was a squash. Might be something... Uh, squash related anyway the important thing is that he's providing therapy for paul having him envision his greatest fear sharks as the candle and then he is the argentinian kumquat and the scissors are something else i forget if the scissors were a metaphor for something but they, they use that visualization to defeat the sharks to defeat the anxiety and the fear of the sharks and it was, it was really well done. I really liked it. If he was doing it as like a serious thing um, or for like, uh, you know, just anxiety or, or fear in general and not specifically of a giant's animal that can eat you, I think it could actually work. Um, when the discussion of uh, if it's a kumquat or what it is, he says, I'm a therapist, not a greengrocer. And that's where we got the episode title. Then we saw Ray, who makes a leaf blower into a beautiful woman with luscious lips called Cynthia. He then creates a, a soap opera scene like the, the bold and the beautiful and uh, reveals that the candle Lumiere has an evil twin. All kinds of drama there. And Cynthia blows out Lumiere. Or is it the evil twin who's not named Lumiere? Maybe also named Lumiere. Then Cynthia goes to kiss Paul. Almost the second kiss of the episode. But instead blows in his face. It becomes an attack. Finally, we saw Bubba. She initially wants to use hairspray to create a huge fireball. But they didn't let her do that. Then she gets the idea to use airbending from Avatar Last Airbender. And uh, so she like makes these paper fans and this whole thing uh, that she wants to do. And she's practicing to see how much force it needs. And then she blows it out. This is going exactly how the cricket task in episode one went. Anyway, she does her whole routine anyway with the candle already extinguished. It's played in slow motion. It looks so great. If that was the actual attempt to blow out the candle, 
I think I would have gotten five points easy. But because the candle was extinguished with just a, a little test, a little test fan, um, no, no way. One point I would have given her. Um, I would have given Mel two points, Ray three points, Karen four points, and Di five points. Jeremy scores Bubba with one point, Karen and Mel on three points, Ray on four points, and Di on the full five. So we agreed on the top and bottom at least. That brings us to task number three. It takes place in the study, and the contestants enter to see Paul holding a broom up against a bowl that's on the ceiling. He asks them to come and to hold it for him, and once they have a good grip on it, he shows them their task. Put the bowl of glitter in the fridge. If you spill any glitter, you are disqualified. Fastest wins. Very simple instructions. Seemingly very complicated setup. I love it. This, like, before anything even happens, I thought, this is amazing. But then it got better and better and better until I was just crying laughing. So first we see Karen. Um, she asked for a long, flat-ended thing because the broom that they're using has uh, just a rounded ed edge. So it's going to be really hard to keep it balanced on there as, um, as you lower it down. Um, and so she uses these two bird canes that look, those look pretty cool, but like, no, this isn't going to work. You find something else out in the shed maybe. And so he finds like a big stick, a big thing. And then also like a big piece of gutter and she goes and tries to use the, the piece of gutter. But um, as the the positioning of it gets more and more precarious, she realizes the bowl is just glued to the ceiling. So then there's a whole project of getting up high enough to be able to dislodge it from the ceiling and being careful because she doesn't want to spill the glitter out of it when she does that. Finally, using a butter knife, she gets it off of the ceiling and there's nothing inside of it. Evil genius. Amazing. She goes into the kitchen and there's a bowl of glitter right there on the counter. She pops that in the fridge and she's done. 10 minutes and 13 seconds. This is the perfect attempt to show first. It showed every single element and every reveal perfectly. And so then we're able to see the next three intercut with each other rapid succession uh it pretty much all get to the point we get all the highlights of it it works really well die had a great quote that's a nice bit of subterfuge you did there when he sees that the bowl is glued to the ceiling um mel she also finds it fairly quickly ray also uh figures out that the bowl is attached and finds the glitter in the kitchen and so uh, Dai got a time of 1.59, Ray did it in 3 minutes 54, and Mel did it in 4 minutes and 16. After completing the task, Ray takes the glitter back out of the fridge and then blows it into Paul's face. Another blow attack. But then we see Bubba. Um, she eventually realizes the bowl is empty 
and goes on a search everywhere in the study, everywhere in the kitchen, except for the exact spot where the bowl of glitter is. She totally misses it. Goes back in the study, looks around there, is like, oh yeah, well, let's look, let's look downstairs. She looks in the lab, there's nothing in there at all. She goes outside, she goes out to the lake, can't find it. Comes back into the house, and that look on her face when she finally spots the glitter in the kitchen is so i was cracking up this whole time i was making the strangest sounds trying not to to laugh too hard since i was watching this at like 3 a.m or something oh my god it just tears streaming down my face and then then when she sees it and then we cut to the studio everybody's cracking up incredible i love this task so much i think this is going to take the place of the watermelon task as the one that i recommend people watch to get an idea of the genius of this show um so she puts it in the fridge and gets a time of 29 minutes and 57 seconds bubba got one point karen got two points Mel got three points, Ray got four points, and Dai got five. That brings us to the live task. Be a ball, tall or Paul. Each contestant will take it in turns into the changing room. They have 15 seconds to become tall, a ball, or Paul. If Jeremy correctly guesses what you are, you are eliminated. Most deceptions wins. So if you're a ball, you're going to be crouched down into a ball. If you're tall, you're going to be reaching up, make yourself really tall. And then to be Paul, you'll be wearing the jacket, the white suit jacket to look like Paul. So in the first rounds, three people are eliminated. Bubba is tall. She says, no, I'm a flat ball. Karen is out as Paul. She says, no, I'm a flat tall. (laughs) Um, Mel got out as a ball. And then uh, in the second round, Dai got out as a ball on his second attempt. Then Ray uh, succeeds at being tall without being guessed. So I think that ended up being uh, one successful deception for Dai, which got him four points, and two, maybe three successful uh, deceptions by Ray. So he gets the full five. And so the total scores for the episode, 11 points for Mel, 13 for Karen, 13 for Bubba, 18 for Ray, and 20 for Dai. Dai wins all of the unbelievable things. And the cumulative scores, interesting. Things flipped a lot from the last episode. Ray has not won an episode yet, but he is in the lead with 35 points. Followed closely by Dai at 34, then Mel with 30, Bubba with 27, and Karen with 26. Only nine points from top to bottom. This could end up being one of the closest finishes. If it keeps up like this, if everybody keeps leapfrogging, maybe the person who gets third place every week ends up winning. That would be amazing. So it really anything could happen i i'm gonna stay with my pick i think i think mel can pull this off 
uh, my favorite part of this episode was Bubba. Just Bubba, the entire episode, so great. She's awesome. I think she might be my favorite person in the world. Um, And I'm really excited to see eight more episodes of her doing everything. So let me know what you thought about this episode. What were your favorite parts? And um, is this going to be a really hard one to predict a winner for? That does it for this one. Let me know what your favorite moments from this episode were by tweeting me at TIW Podcast. I'm also on Instagram. Um, go to TIWpodcast.com for more episodes. Uh, go and check out taskmaster.info for all of the Taskmaster info you could ever want. And check out taskmaster down under podcast at tmdu podcast on twitter and instagram all right thanks so much for listening i will see you next time here on tiw podcast bye